The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. For the first time in a long time, myself, John Boccasino, and my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, we are actually talking about football and not just the sport, but a game that took place featuring the Buffalo Bills Jamie, I know it didn't count in the scoreboard or the standings, but it felt pretty damn good to sit down on the TV on a Friday night and know that the Bills were actually playing a game that's going to count towards their evaluations of the players and the players trying to make a roster spot. Felt pretty good. Well, check this out. I wasn't able to watch the game live because I had plans, so I recorded the game. And just before hopping on to record this podcast I watched the game in about 45 minutes, and we know just how absolutely painful the fourth quarter of the first preseason game can be. And let me tell you, when you can zip through the penalties and the the timeouts and the flags and all the rest of it, it makes it so much more bearable. It was such (laughs) a nice experience. The efficiency with which I consumed that game made me really happy. So, buddy, I'll let you know a little secret. I actually did not watch the game live. I watched it last night, but not live. But I I recorded it. I actually am such a huge fan of the DVR and fast-forwarding through commercials and fast-forwarding through, you know, lulls and delays in the game. It's the only way I prefer to watch my sports. Now, it's a challenge when it comes to my friends who want to, you know, and it's really hard during the regular season, but for the preseason, buddy, all day long. Right. I, I can imagine you're getting text messages. People are like, holy shit, did you see that? You're like, don't talk to me. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to read your messages. It, it is it is definitely a challenge. Uh, I hate commercials. Um, I hate uh, the monotony of the commercials and the, the long breaks that go on in the game. So I'm all with you for fast forwarding and getting to the action. And you know what? Like, look, at the end of the day, the Bills win this one 16 to 15 in Detroit. It was sloppy. Uh, there were definitely a lot of issues the Bills need to shore up. But it was, I thought, a really good assessment of this team. The fact that very few of the starters 
played, the ones who did, you know, it tells you something about their roster spot, where the team views a player like a Levi Wallace, who was one of, even though, you know, all accounts are, he's got a lock on that CB2 job. Dane Jackson has really struggled on this training camp. The fact that the coaches had Levi still in the game, I believe into the second quarter last night. I mean, they still want to see what the kid can do. Yeah, they they want him to get snaps. And at the same time, you saw other players like Bobby Hart, who seemed to get demoted over the course of the game. He was actually a starter, and then he wound up playing all the way through the fourth quarter after he showed just how horrendous of a left tackle he is. He he is he's probably not that this matters for anything, Jamie, but he's my least valuable bill from the first preseason game. And I really would be hard pressed. I mean, Saran Neal did not have a great game. Uh, Dane Jackson uh, had a missed tackle and he didn't play as well as he could have. But when it comes to bills who really just shat the bed for week one, I think Bobby Hart takes the cake for that. He just Jake Fromm, I mean, poor Jake Fromm finally gets his moment to play in an NFL game. And oh, by the way, he staked to a 10 point lead. And then both his drives stall because Hart got abused like a turnstile at the left tackle spot. I know he's more of a right tackle and the Bills were trotting him out to try him at left tackle. But I saw nothing of redeeming value from his play. He was going up against third and fourth stringers at, at the end of the game, and he was getting burned. He's going to get a quarterback killed. I, I don't think that they can keep putting him out there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was it was just awful. And, you know, there was one play when both of Buffalo's tackles whiffed pretty badly on their blockers and the defensive ends had unabated path to the quarterback and brought down from in a very easy sack. Um, but it just seemed like it was a no contest every time Bobby Hart was out there. And you're right. He did get demoted. I mean, he started the game and he ended up being in the lineup in the fourth quarter. I would find it very hard to justify giving him a roster spot, especially given the fact that he's had a pretty poor uh, off season by all the beat reporters. It's interesting because when he was signed, Bills fans are saying, oh, great. The Bills found their swing tackle and Bengals fans were saying, um, you don't understand how bad this guy really is. <laughs> <laughs> he um, and I, I gave my statement uh, for him being my least valuable bill. If you had to start, let's start negative uh, when it comes to our critique because we're normally pretty positive guys if he is my least valuable bill who is your least valuable bill from the preseason opener I think that would be Boogie Basham the guy was playing late in the game for good reason and he still didn't make any noise he seems to have dropped like a rock from the high expectations people had of him coming in being ready and it seems exactly the opposite where Gregory Rousseau is the one who everybody thought was going to need help but he basically started the game. He was uh, in there on the first series, got himself a sack, didn't see Basham until late in the game, and never heard his name called. Technically, I think Basham did get a quarterback pressure or a quarterback hit. So even if Basham did make a slight impact, he was clearly behind uh, his fellow rookie, Greg Rousseau. It was cool, the, the moment, there's a good article that New York Upstate uh, put out talking about Boogie and Russo and, you know, before the game, they met up and just talked about the magnitude. And, you know, for Russo, this was his first football action in more than 18 months. And he was really raring to go. And that showed itself 
uh, on his play. He he took Penny Sewell, the number seven overall pick, uh, to school with a really nice, solid pass rush move that led to a sack on Detroit's first possession. And he had a great debut, whereas Basham, you're right, really was mm-hmm. not impactful uh, as a pass rusher. The fact that Basham, uh, who I think has a great ceiling. I think his potential, we're not even beginning to scratch the surface of what he can do, but he is going to be one of those. And I think you said it earlier on one of our pods, he could be a really good medical red shirt type exemption where like the potential is there, but it's not matching um, the output that the bills need for this year in a year where expectations are so high. So he could serve very well uh, by sitting out the year, um, mm-hmm. you know, basically <laughs> finding a way to give him the Isaiah Hodgins treatment from last year because he was getting, you know, stymied and pushed around by the second and third team offensive linemen for the Lions, a team that doesn't have a great O-line to begin with. Basham really showed that he's still trying to figure out what he can do and where he can make an impact on the field. It wasn't happening last night, but the good news for Basham and the rest of the rookies is they do have two more preseason games to really make an impression. And it'd be hard pressed Jamie for a rookie to make a greater impression than what Greg Rousseau made last night. I quickly talked about his move against Sewell, the number seven overall pick in a battle of first rounders going up in the first quarter. I don't know. I was really encouraged by the athleticism and the dominance that was shown by Rousseau. He only played uh, the first quarter. Maybe he played into the second quarter, but what he did was just so incredibly impressive. And again, he put himself in a position where the bills are like, all right, you've been doing well in practice, but now to show it against actual competition in a game that was part of the preseason slate, it showed that he's really going to be problematic for teams to deal with when it comes to scheming against the defensive line. What I was looking for in Russo was his comfort level on the field, because as you said, he hasn't played in, well, in two years, basically. So how, how was he going to appear? Was he going to look like, you know, he was fluid and following the play, getting after it, or was he going to look like he was thinking? Was he going to get pushed around a little bit? You know, he's a, a lanky guy, so were the blockers going to get under him? And it looked like he, while he didn't have a lot of pass rush moves that I really picked up on in this game, I also, you know, I, I wasn't watching all 22 footage, mind you. But at the same time, it looked like he was... It, it looked like he moved well. It didn't look like he was caught in his head and he was showing the athleticism that they said that he had. And frankly, it's what they need because on the other side of the line, uh, AJ Epinesa, with the exception of getting in on the quarterback once, didn't really do too much. So I honestly, I would like to see Epinesa demoted and that be entirely because Rousseau is playing so well. I'm not saying I don't like AJ Epinesa. I, I like him just fine. But if Rousseau is showing well enough that he's worthy of the playing time, then I don't care who gets demoted. I want Rousseau to be that good of a player that they can't keep him off the field. And it was consistency that Rousseau showed against the Lions. Pro Football Focus credited Rousseau with 11 pass rushing snaps. On those snaps, he had one sack and three pressures. That is a pretty good return on your investment for those 11 pass rushing snaps that he put on the field. And it was really impressive just the way that he was, again, pushing around someone 
Panay Sewell, who has really had a good reputation in camp so far for the Lions. It wasn't like he's beating up a third or a fourth stringer. He was taking out their anticipated starting tackle, and he made him look silly. You know, I liked his... I'm sorry, but, you know, when he was drafted, people talked about Sewell as a future Hall of Famer when he was drafted. So I'm not trying to get out ahead of ourselves. It, It was Sewell's first game action, too, in the NFL. Yeah, and that's the thing. All of this, I mean, look, you got to take it with a caveat that it's preseason football. You're not getting the ones against the ones and the twos against the twos. But what this point of the podcast is, is what we fans observe by watching the preseason, however we watched it. And no matter whether you were fast forwarding through or watching it live, Russo's play jumped off the screen at you. And he legitimately showed that the talk this offseason about him being a bona fide game changer as an edge rusher is legit and it's real. And now it's what do you do from here? Because now that you've made that statement and you've shown yourself to be a pretty capable pass rusher, what's he going to do against the Bears in week two? What's he going to do in week three against the Packers if he plays? I just all I'm saying, Jamie, is I liked what I saw from the Miami product, especially given the fact that it had been 18 plus months since he saw the field in a meaningful football game, I thought he made a really big statement that he belongs on this defensive line. What else did you like out there? So I would be hard pressed to not give shout outs to Devin Singletary and Matt Breda Singletary more so because I thought that it was just so impressive. Somebody like Singletary, what it showed me with his 5.3 yards per carry on eight carries is that even though he is considered to be either 1A or 1B in this backfield. With Zach Moss out due to a hamstring injury, Singletary wanted to show something. He wanted to put something on tape to maybe prove the doubters wrong, to maybe show the coaches that he's still the back in this backfield. The way that Singletary just showed himself and he he made his runs look easy. He made them look simple, despite the fact that there were complex cutbacks. He was elusive. He saw the hole. He actually had time to identify where the hole was. I thought it was really impressive the way he ran with the football. And of course, he scored Buffalo's lone touchdown on a real easy wide open screen pass. Uh, six yarder from Webb that took it to the house for the first touchdown of the 2021 season. But for me, Jamie, this shows that Singletary's hard work and his commitment to getting better. It's one game, but I was really impressed with what he put on tape in week one. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked quite a bit better than Breda did. Uh, The vision that they talk about with Devin Singletary was definitely on display. He just, he always seems to know which cut to make, which hole to hit. and you know, he he also plays off contact a little better than Breda, who Breda, for not being a very big guy, runs very up and down. So he's susceptible to the hits. And Singletary does a pretty good job of powering through initial contact. I think he looks like a starter and he looks like a guy who's ready to contribute this year. So I was happy with him, too. Uh, another player I was happy with, well, I'm going to throw two at you. They're both defenders. Andre Smith, who side note, I had to watch the, uh, the Detroit lions broadcast on the NFL network. And they kept referring to Andre Smith as Caleb Beninock 
throughout the entire game, the offensive lineman who did not suit up last night. <laughs> anyway, uh, they're like, oh. Easy, easy to confuse those two. I mean, you've got a dynamic linebacker and then somebody who has basically, yeah, not done much of anything. Uh, so they're like, Caleb Beninock with the interception. And I'm like, mm, no. Uh, but anyway, he was all over the place. Josh Thomas, the safety, I think has cemented himself a roster spot. Without a doubt, I think he's going to make the team. The two of them were everywhere. They looked like starters playing against backups. Andre Smith, I'm glad you brought him up because I feel like he, with what the linebacking core has done with Buffalo from last year and with bringing back Matt Milano, Andre Smith, it seems like, I know one of the broadcasters mentioned this during the game, but Andre Smith perfectly fits what Leslie Frazier's defense wants to accomplish. He was all over the field. He made open field tackles exceptionally well. That interception, the acrobatic pick that he had on a play where, I'm sorry, it was questionable, the F.A. Obata roughing the passer call. I thought Andre Smith's interception was just incredible, uh, making the leaping catch to bring down the pick. He was all over the place. I think he had six or eight total tackles. Uh, He's really going to be in the running for sure. I think he's got a roster spot guaranteed at this point, if not already being a near lock for the 53-man roster. And it just shows off that he's athletic and he has a good nose for the ball. So I was really impressed with Andre Smith. And I'm so glad you brought up Josh Thomas because he is one of those unheralded Bills who, like Jaquan Johnson, is really making a name for himself as a backup behind the most underrated secondary tandem in the league in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Now, I personally love Jaquan Johnson. I thought he had a pretty solid game. But Josh Thomas, what he can do as both a run defender and in the pass coverage game, I think is underrated. I think it's something that the Bills coaching staff is noticing, and he is really making it hard for the Bills to settle on the depth position at safety. Who's going to make this roster? They like DeMar Hamlin, the sixth rounder from last year's draft class, but I think Josh Thomas has proven himself to be worthy of making a roster spot just based on the feel for the game, his ability to be in the right place at the right time, and just a couple of the big plays that he had. It really impressed me. So I'm glad you like Josh Thomas out there. He made a good impression. Yeah, it started early in the game when he made a hit on the running back in the backfield to stop him short of the first down, and the collision was impressive. And I thought, man, this coming from a safety? Nice. Let's see, what else is he going to do? And, you know, they, they, set, they said his name an awful lot. Uh, but I have to say, late in the game, DeMar Hamlin looked like he was covering a lot of ground out there. I kept going, who's that 47 out on the field? It was it was Hamlin. He seems to have better range than I would have anticipated. And it's impressive for the Bills to because I know a lot of you know people looked at Dean Marlowe's departure and Dean Marlowe is not the greatest safety in the world. Duh. But he was comfortable and familiar with the system. And it seems like the Bills have a plethora of options that they can plug in as those third, fourth and fifth safeties if they keep five they'll probably more likely keep four but um given the option they have some good players to choose from and josh thomas and damar hamlin both had very solid games in week one hey 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another shout out that I want to mention uh, for somebody who I thought had a pretty good performance, only based on the fact, look, F.A. Obata, we know that it's a numbers crunch game and whether he makes the roster or not, they've committed money to him. It's going to be hard to decide how many defensive ends to keep, but Obata continued his red hot play. I was really impressive to see the way that he and a lot of even Daryl Johnson got after the quarterback. You know, the edge rushers really came to play against the Detroit Lions. And I thought that was impressive to see what the youngsters did. But there's another guy that I want to give a quick shout out to Tommy Sweeney. Mm -hmm. How great was it to watch him on that catch and run to prove that he can play, he can make a big catch for the Bills, and he's battling back from that myocarditis caused by COVID-19. That was a really cool feel-good moment. Yeah, you know, I think he's going to be one of those guys that is always going to be worthy of a roster spot somewhere in the NFL. He may remind you of Jack Nicholas's <laughs> grandson. Oh, God. Um, Nick O'Leary. Nick O'Leary, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you know that uh, Fitz went to Harvard and he wears his wedding band? Wait, say what? <laughs> yeah, Nick O'Leary, his, uh, his grandfather. Jack Nicholas, who knew that? We give we give broadcasters a lot of ammo when it comes to the easy cliches and uh, and tried and true references. But it was I thought it was great to see Tommy Sweeney back on the field and contributing. And I want to I want to mention one more thing, Jamie, before we go to our players who disappointed. What did you make of Cody Ford seeing as much time as he did late into the first half? I thought it was interesting that they kept him out there. Because unlike some of the guys who they're trying to really evaluate, Cody Ford playing with the second stringers just before halftime seemed a little odd to me. He needs work. I I think that's what it comes down to. They're not sold on him. They want to be sold on him, but they're not yet. So they're trying to give him more reps. They know what they've got in Ike Butker at this point. They know what they've got in John Feliciano. They're trying to give him an opportunity to impress them, to give them and his teammates, all the reason in the world to say, yep, he deserves to be the starter. Well, it definitely, I mean, he got a lot of reps against the Lions. And I just thought for somebody who the misconception is, and I, I stood up for Ike Butker saying, I think it he's got a really good chance to win the job, given the erratic play that Ford has, has shown so far. I think last night's game only further justifies that, that it's Butker's job right now to lose unless Cody Ford makes leaps and bounds kinds of progress. Yeah, it's very disappointing that a second round pick who they're saying, oh, he's finally healthy for the first time. I don't remember him being injured coming into camp when he was a rookie, but, you know, maybe maybe he was. Uh, 
you know, anytime they're trying to hype somebody up by talking about how they're finally healthy, that person's got a lot to prove. And yes, Cody Ford has, he better look good out there or, you know, they'll probably keep him because he's on a rookie deal, but, you know, he's not a roster lock at this point. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of work still to do for the former second round pick out of Oklahoma. Real quick plug, Jamie, to keep it on the positive before we go negative. Davis Webb thought that was a really good performance that he put on there. He's always talked about wanting to be a coach in the NFL once his playing days are over with, but he still showed he has something in the tank when it comes to running and directing the offense. I thought he was effective and efficient and, you know, didn't do too much, but the Bills didn't really ask him to do too much. But what they wanted him to do, I thought he succeeded pretty nicely. I actually thought Jake Fromm might have looked better, and I've been rooting for Davis Webb all along, but... You know, to me, watching from play quarterback, it seemed like there was more of a rhythm, like the ball came out on time regularly with him. And, you know, he he stared down his targets and that's not something that's going to work against NFL starters. But it seemed like there was a rhythm to his game that I saw a lot of positive in. Yeah, I guess. Well, from doesn't have the strongest arm and it, it does. And that was mentioned quite a few times by the broadcasters. I mean, he's clearly no Josh Allen, but I just thought that what the Bills offense, look, Davis Webb is not going to be lobbing 45 yard bombs to Marquez Stevenson to get the Bills in position for a game winning field goal. But he was effective at the short offense, the pop gun offense. And I thought he looked, they both looked good. I mean, I thought that they both looked better than I thought they were going to in their first game action this year. And that's a good problem for the Bills to have not trotting out Jeff Tool or preseason phenom Nathan Peterman to uh, to lead the offense. They can have some capable backups. Another player that I thought showed well was Duke Williams. And it's interesting to me because he has kind of become the forgotten man, but his size is impressive. He almost made an unbelievable grab on the sideline where he did come down with the ball, but it was out of bounds. The throw, it was a back shoulder throw. It wasn't the best, but... You know, if you can come down with the ball like that, people are going to pay attention. And it's just really exciting that a player like that, who may be number eight or even nine on the depth chart, is going to end up on the active roster of other teams. He's going to end up the number three or four receiver on a on a wideout needy team. And I'm sure Brandon Bean is very excited about the fact that he potentially has some players that he's going to be able to ship out for draft capital that weren't going to make the team anyway. I'm looking forward to seeing how this is done. If I'm another general manager or a general manager of another team, I'm not going to give up any draft capital to the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to wait for these guys to get cut because good players are not going to be on the Bills roster this year that are in training camp. Or wait for an injury to happen, and maybe the Bills can capitalize, because I think you're right. There's a lot of players that are going to make rosters that just can't make the 53 for Buffalo, and we'll see what happens with a guy like Duke Williams, who did have a good game in Week 1. We started off, Jamie, by hitting on the negative of Bobby Hart really looking like he had a, a terrible game and, and getting pushed around. And I know that I gave him uh, my least valuable bill, but there were several other bills that just really did not make solid cases for themselves and their roster spots. Give us another one or two that you thought had underwhelming performances. Defensive backs in general, I'm sorry, cornerbacks in general, 
Rashad Wild Goose just looked like the game was moving too fast for him out there. Yeah, I think with what the rookie um, is being expected to do, it was it was rough around the edges. His play, he struggled in run support. Um, he got beat deep in a pass play. Um, I don't know if he's going to even have a chance to make the, the roster. I mean, maybe they keep him on the practice squad if they can sneak him through there. But he did not have a, a great debut. And I think Saran Neal uh, needs to be brought up in this category too because – it he was just there's a guy who I'm going to try to pronounce his name Amon I got it for you you go for it Amonra St. Brown Amonra St. Brown his quickness his agility he had Neil spinning in circles out there and the Bills have not been able to find that regular role for him and he could be their fifth cornerback but he didn't excel in the nickel he didn't excel in the slot and he really just didn't excel at all I I think he's probably going to make the team. He's considered a a special teams ace. He's one of their gunners. He provides good depth, but they need somebody who can step up and be that number three corner on the boundary, number four corner, somebody to back up uh, all, all across the all across the uh, cornerback positions. And he didn't show well. It, it looks like somebody such as Cam Lewis could end up elevating themselves over over Saran Neal, which is unfortunate because Neal's such a good athlete, but he seems seems like he doesn't have the foot speed to run with the quicker receivers. Yeah, the athleticism is there, but the speed is definitely going to need to uh, be an area the Bills coaches are going to watch for sure with Saran Neal. Dane Jackson, too, of course, uh, really had a chance to make a statement, I felt like, and uh, and he fell further behind Levi Wallace in the pecking order for the CB two and the cornerback room in particular. But Jamie, I want to say that in 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 true Billy fashion, I feel like the biggest positive, the biggest impression from the Week One opener was that outside of Isaiah Hodgins having his injury with the knee, there really weren't many injuries at all to write home about the bills escaped this game with not only a win, but being relatively healthy. And that to me is the biggest win of all. Undoubtedly. And I'm so glad so many of the starters were rested, especially Josh Allen do that the rest of the preseason. And I will be one hell of a happy camper. Well, there you have it, Jamie. There's our quick little whip around. Uh, But I, I also want to give the fans a little bit of a shout out too, because you could hear the audible shouts of, Hey, and for a road team in the preseason, Bills fans showed out pretty well, too. So give yourselves a round of applause, Bills fans. We love our Bills Mafia, and you are ours, and we are yours. Woohoo! Feel the love. Well, we want to hear from our Bills fans on Believe. Give us your thoughts on what you liked and what you didn't like from week one of the preseason. You can always comment on this article at buffalorumblings.com. Of course, Jamie and I welcome interactions with our fans as well for Bills Mafia. Get at Jamie. He is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino on Twitter. Jamie, it was a fun podcast breaking down a 16 to 15 win for the Bills. Football is back, and we'll be back next week, of course, with another episode of Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. 